All right, we're here today with Adam Miko. If you don't know Adam Miko, I don't know how you're listening to this podcast. Adam has come into the Tableau scene out of um, Tableau Magic. Um, he is joyful. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. Uh, he is everywhere. He's doing collaborative visits with people. He is writing one of the hottest blogs out there. It releases every Saturday. And if you're missing it, you are truly missing out. And he's just one of the kindest people I've met. He is the exact spirit of what you want to see in the data fam, always promoting others, always just being a cheerleader for everything. And I am really excited to be talking with him uh, in some medium besides text. How are you doing today, Adam? Doing very well. How are you doing, Zach? I'm doing well. It's uh, We are recording this a couple days before Christmas, so both of us are sounding pretty laid back for a season where, in reality, <laughs> there's probably a ton of things we're supposed to be doing right now instead of this. What, Amazon do it? Yeah, I mean, the, those, those people running around the facilities uh, hectically gathering our last-minute shopping purchases. It's funny you say that. <laughs> Um, my wife did a shipped order uh, mm -hmm. rather than us running to the grocery store this afternoon. So right now there is some 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 sad person running around Kroger about two miles from my house gathering <laughs> up all these items uh, to bring here uh, so that I can be recording this. So I'm very happy to be talking to you because uh, I really wanted to see you this year at the Tableau Conference. That didn't happen. Right. Um, but you you were felt, obviously, uh, with your busy win and uh, lack of you there because, honestly, you sort of hit really big and fast in the community well it's shocking it's it just kind of shocking to hear because i i came into the community just uh, wanting to have a place to belong to not knowing if i really belonged because you just don't know these things people are nice and kind and so forth but uh being an aspie and so forth it's kind of hard to be able to see um what's real and what's not and be able to read emotions and be able to read stuff through text and whatnot but when, um, when I was able to listen and quote unquote, see the replay of the uh, Vizzy Awards, I could, I sensed how strong the feeling was. And it did really mean a lot to me that uh, people really did appreciate having me in the community. And even though I was new to the community that I had some sort of impact. So it was really important for me uh, to see that because I knew at that point that I really belonged somewhere. I mean, no doubt it's you, you certainly do. And it's your presence and your import is really undeniable. And I'm just happy to uh, be able to uh, call you my friend because I mean, frankly, when I first met up with you, uh, we started talking and we hit it off real quick and it really wasn't that long. Uh, you pitched a collaborative viz and I, I hadn't really attempted that before. And that was a, a really fun, unique experience. And I've, uh, I've working on another one right now. I know you've done a couple of those. What is it about like collaborative visits that really gets you going? Well, for me is um, that I could see certain things that other people can do, certain eyes that I don't have that could really bring out something really special into a vision that I have that I can't quite grasp. But I know that the person that I'm working with has the ability to grasp that. So between that and whatever I could do, I, I can create and uh, share a viz that I'm very, very proud of, especially with something that I've been holding on to a long time or something that has a lot of meaning to me. So it's really important that uh, for me that I could, I could do that with people because in any other tech space, it's very hard to do that. 
especially when you have a lot of teams that are working um, and not sharing information. So when you have the ability for people to share, freely share information, as well as uh, not, uh, not be um, selfish about that and want to share with you and want to share credit, it's just amazing to me. Uh, the other part is that it really helps you build friendships in the community and it, it gives you, it, it helps you learn as well. So there's so many things that are just so beneficial about uh, having a collaborative viz. Is, um, and I learned that right away when I'm working with you, that you are such a great team player. Um, and, and it was helpful to see that. And I was, I was just so overjoyed by the result of our viz and that it hit so many levels with uh, Tableau sharing it uh, across uh, all social uh, media platforms was just a huge thing and it was just shocking to me, but I knew a lot of it had to do with what you're, uh, where you're helping with me with an abyss with the design and so forth. It, it made me see things that I couldn't see. And that was just so awesome to me. It's funny you say that I'm the collaborative is I'm working on right now was with uh, the guests prior to you, Kate Shaw. We're working on a Girl Scout cookie viz um, mm-hmm. because I've been curious for years about like it seems like you know the Girl Scouts are out there they're moving and shaking they're selling all these cookies and then I have all these friends who I have two daughters um, and I have all these other friends who have, have girls in the Girl Scouts and I hear you know oh we had to shell out and buy these uniforms and the activity fees and all these things and in my head I'm like these girls are selling cookies like for a third of the year uh, they're making all this money because I've seen the articles, you know, they make $800 million a year off selling the cookies. Like, where's the money go? Like, right. I, I just, I've just been curious about that. You know, I'm not like, accusing the Girl Scouts of like money laundering, <laughs> but I'm just saying like, is there a volcano base or chalet or something that I'm not aware of? Like, how's the money not making it back down to cover sort of those uniform fees and stuff like that. So we, I sort of started rolling with that and I was like, man, I've wanted to do something with Kate. I've really loved some of her, like she's great at design. I've really loved some oh, yeah. of her work. Insanely good at design. I am like, I'm going to pitch it to her. Like, Hey, I, I have a basic premise. I have a single aspect of the viz that I'm starting with right here. And I've collected some data. What do you think about the idea? And would you be interested in jumping in? And thankfully she was, and we've been rolling on it and it's, it's fun. It's really fun to viz collaboratively. Until you meet the Girl Scout Mafia, and then it becomes a little bit scary. But um, that that's what my fear would be, is meeting the Girl Scout Mafia, and then realizing, well, I uh, <laughs> maybe it wasn't the best idea to create the biz. But it sounds like a really fun biz and a great premise. I mean, it's it, it could be fun. I mean, I, I've got a little bit of Rabble Rouser and P.T. Barnum in me, like yeah. just enough. Like my dad has been accused of racketeering but like not charged <laughs> with racketeering, um, which is funny because it's like he's for a retiree. Like he he basically was just being a problem for a real estate guy. And, right, and right. This dude was trying to get racketeering charges filed on him. It was pretty <laughs> hilarious. But uh, this is my very small version of that. Or actually, it could be much bigger. The Girl Scouts are pretty huge. Right. So if I walk into the grocery store and I just see all of them stop and stare at me in just like a creepy children of the corn way, I'll know exactly that what I was thinking it. was children of the corn. Oh, no. There's something so disturbing about uh, young children like being creepy. Right. And, um, 
this was epitomized by like my second daughter. Um, she would do this thing where when she uh, woke up in the middle of the night, she would sneak downstairs into our bedroom and quietly approach my wife and her side of the bed. And, you know, you have to imagine a little girl like messed up hair, sleep hair, <laughs> uh, holding a stuffed animal in the crook of one arm. So only its head is appearing and getting like gradually closer to my wife's face saying, <laughs> until until my wife like her eyes snap open as this child's face is right in hers and it's like the grudge you know right um but yeah little little kids can be scary definitely (laughs) um so what about collaborative visits going back to that i i keep i don't know why i keep beating this drum but you recently released the sandberg uh game viz is that your most recent collaborative viz that you've worked Uh, on the most recent collaborative viz yes Uh, i worked on that uh, extensively with brian moore uh, basically, I was holding on to a data set for, oh, geez, uh, about three months. And um, after three months, I was looking at a way to create the viz, but I'm like, I was, I had a bunch of ideas, but I'm like, I'm not really sold on the ideas I had. In the meantime, I was just watching Brian Moore release a whole crap ton of awesome visits, uh, sports visits using so many different methods and techniques that were just mind blowing to me. So looking at his visits, I became a huge fan of his and realized he was probably the best guy uh, at doing sports visits I've probably ever have seen. Um, And stuff I'm not even interested in, like hacking crap like that, he, those visits were really interesting to me because of how well he did them. So I knew that was a guy I needed to team up with to make my dream viz a reality. I mean, it's it's a great viz. Like, uh, I appreciate what you're saying about that because, like, a really compelling viz is like a really good documentary. Like, you don't have to really care about corn rust or whatever. But when uh, speaking of children of the corn, right? <laughs> I, I, it's it's in my brain now. Right. Um, you know, when when someone uh, presents the story well, uh, you're sucked in, and that viz is so compelling because you're actually you're playing the story beats of this game as you right. step through it. And it's like literally telling a story. It's like, I mean, it's like a graphic novel or something. It's a sequential story being spelled out in panels almost as you walk through it. It's fascinating. Right. Um, I was able to grab the data and then with the data, clean the data a little bit to make it so it would work in a viz. But um, what he was able to do with it, with uh, uh, with advanced mathematics, with all the with all the uh, uh, other tools that he used to put into the viz to make it work was just mind blowing to me, and that's how everything came together. So you could uh, see the story as one thing, and it would, and with all the graphics that pop up every time you go through uh, a section. You could see what happens at every at-bat. You could see the score. You could see the count. You could see who's pitching, who's hitting, and what the result was. And the coolest part was the probability part, where you could see the probability all through the game, where the Cubs were like um, at the most of the game at five percent or less because of uh, because of how uh, how uh, they approach. Uh, because of how far behind they were. And it was just amazing to see the comeback and witness that, that as a child, but then re-witness it through this visualization was what, what made it even more special to me. So seeing the end result of it just made me feel very nostalgic and very happy about 
um, what transpired. And then I built a new friendship with Brian. He's a sensational guy. His wife is very patient because he was working on this pretty much any time he had disposable and not so disposable. Uh, driving car, responding back to messages and so forth. Not a good idea, but it was. Um, it just showed his devotion to to creating something that he also believed in. So it was just uh, such a great experience. And I know that he's going to be a, a person that I can look at and um, bounce things off of and uh, depend on in the future as well, because he's, he, he's now a good friend of mine because of the collaboration. And that's really great. Like everyone sort of builds that network of their own. Like mm -hmm. I have people when I'm working on a new viz that I regularly bounce my ideas off with. You're typically in that group. <laughs> as well as like Josh Smith and uh, Lindsay Betzendahl and some other folks. Just, I feel like I'm name dropping. I'm not meaning to name drop, but it's like um, you sort of find people who either understand and complement your style or are intentionally so outside of the way you work mm -hmm. that you know they're going to ask you questions that you didn't think of or maybe don't even want to hear. <laughs> so, uh, so when, when I, when I present something to Josh, Josh is usually super enthusiastic and like, Hey, I thought of five more things. When I present to Lindsay, Lindsay's usually my, this part doesn't work for me person. Mm -hmm. And like, that's the part I want to hear the least. Right. Um, but it's often the part you need to hear the most. What um, part am I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're, you're like a middle of the road and I super appreciate that you are very good at just sort of responding and saying, I've got some ideas, you know, um, take them or leave them. And just sort of being receptive and, and being a cheerleader in general. I think one of the best things you do is you are a really great sounding board in the sense that you listen really well. So um, I'm guilty of this. And uh, this podcast is an exercise in not doing that. But oftentimes <laughs> when people talk, you're not you, but uh, people's response is to immediately think of how they would respond to this and sort mm -hmm. of wait until they get to say that. Right. And uh, with this, with me trying to not have a solid format and just be conversational like we're hanging out, it right. means I have to do a lot more listening. And when you say something, I need to be able to you know, follow up with that or maybe go in a new direction. So when I prepare for uh, a podcast, I typically try to learn a little about who I'm talking with in advance. Fortunately, the most people I've talked with, I knew to some degree already. I go, I look at some of their work and pick out some things that I thought were particularly inspirational to me or particularly exciting for other people to look at. But beyond that, like, I'm not going to go back through your posts and sort of dig up your you know, bibliography and try to understand who you are. Because if we were sitting in like a chill airport chilies, I right. wouldn't know that. And we, right. that would sort of come out naturally through us talking. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that's funny. You should say that. Yeah, I mean, everyone's been here for chilies. So I mean, <laughs> again, your Sandberg game viz, everyone go check it out. I even appreciate the fact that you you put a link in the bottom to like the Harry Carey um, YouTube clip you can watch it. It's like right. 40 minutes long. That was an important uh, part of this because as I, when I was um, watching the game live, I was, it was five days before I was nine years old. So I was listening to a game uh, for the most part through Harry Carey's voice. So this really brought me back to when I was eight years old and 360 days. So it was just an awesome thing to re-experience through through his voice because that's the voice that I grew up with um, and how he came up from a low point and then he was just so excited 
is how I kind of felt at the time as a as a child. He's like a he was basically like a sixty five seven year old eight year old kid. So it was just a lot of fun to hear games through him, and that's how I actually got into sports is because I was listening to him uh, quite extensively, and he reminded me of a, a character on WGN. I fortunately lived really close to Chicago, and the character on WGN was Bozo the Clown. So for some reason, I, in, I, uh, I think I combined them in my head for some reason and thought Harry Carey was a form of Bozo the Clown. <laughs> and and um without the makeup or something because he was just so outlandish and weird um that I gravitated toward him because um I grew up in Kenosha which is right in between Chicago and Milwaukee and there was um there was uh the Brewers uh, sports cast but they were just regular sports casters were boring and then there was this old drunk guy that kept on uh, talking mispronouncing names and uh just having weird asides um, one of them I remember was he he told a story about Cracker Jacks, how all Cracker Jack boxes didn't have um, toys in the boxes for every single kid and how it was disappointing as a poor kid growing up. He did that in the middle of a game and then he was calling the game in between the uh, railing against Cracker Jacks. It was just hysterical, but that was one of the things that he normally did during games. Um, something I shared with Brian because I thought it was a good um, – a background into the character of Harry Carey. Um, and that's kind of how the game went. He was probably, you know, six deep in Budweiser at that point. Um, pretty depressed because the Cubs were getting their, um, their rears kicked. They're down nine to three. And he was, he was like, I'm done with this. And you could hear it in his voice. The last 40 minutes is when the Cubs came back. So he was like in a happy drunk moment. But <laughs> Before that, he was like in a, a depressed drunk moment. Um, it was kind of funny because um, I remember precisely um, this was a game that was um, that was broadcast nationwide, which means he was stuck on the radio all day and couldn't really go out to the TV. And he was complaining about that in the beginning and then complaining when the Cubs were losing by a lot. It was just really depressing. So when they were down 9-3, to three, I was like, okay, let's go to the mall. That's what you did in the 80s is <laughs> you went to the mall. And then when I went to the mall and I um, – and I uh, saw the TV in one of the stores at the mall. Cubs are um, not losing nine to three anymore. They're losing nine to eight. And that's when it really excited me. And that's when the whole mood of everything changed. And that's when I became uh, like basically a Cubs fan for life at that point. And fortunately got to meet my hero three years ago at a Cubs game. You're, wait, you're just going to stop there? You're not going to go into the, the meeting your hero at the Cubs game? You're going to leave me hanging? Okay. Well, um, right be yeah, we were at, uh, my wife and I uh, went to a Cubs game in 2016. We fortunately had pretty good seats, and he was sitting uh, two rows ahead of us. And um, I saw him pass us by before and so forth. And then at a moment hit me. I'm like, I got to meet him and take a picture with him. So I did take a picture with him. And um, that's posted on the blog too. Um, it was just a huge moment for me because he was just a childhood idol of mine and probably still my favorite sports guy that I, I've experienced in 35 years because of how he played the game, how humble he was, and how he uh, did everything the right way and left when he felt that he wasn't uh, contributing the way he should instead of holding on and collecting a paycheck. So 
uh, those are the things that were inspiring to me. And that's kind of personally how I try to live my life is try to do what I need to do and not try to over, over credit myself for things and uh, just do what I can to help people out and do things the right way. So it was, it was inspiring for me to meet him in person back then. And he was really kind about it. And I was in, you know, I'm an Aspie, so it's not the easiest thing for me to go up and uh, talk to people like that. But I basically went up to him um, in between innings of the game and just said, I grew up with you. You're my childhood. Um, you were my childhood idol. And I, if you could just take a picture with me, that would be the greatest thing. And he was very kind and very appreciative, which, you know, again, which wasn't shocking to me because of how he played the game and, and how he was as a character. He wasn't trying to be anything he wasn't, and he wasn't above anything. So it was really exciting to understand that he was cool like that in real life as well. So it was a nice moment for me. And it was kind of cool when you have an opportunity to meet somebody like that and realize that they're who they are and not anything else. I essentially did that same thing at uh, TC 18 to Chantilly Jaggernoth. So I know exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's um uh, the most awkward introduction ever where I spotted her across the room at Fanalytics, rushed up to her and went total fanboy. And, You're Chantilly. I love your work. You're the best. It's so great to meet you. And then, um, yeah. So that's if you you start things off that that way. Um, <laughs> I'll just really, wait really... till data twenty. I'm going to be the same way to everybody <laughs> in everybody's face. But you know, no hugs, just handshakes. But um, pretty much, I'll, I'll be fanboying everybody, I guess, because I just am so impressed with our community and how well they work and what they could produce on such a consistent basis. It's crazy to me. Um, when you are working in a silo and so forth, you just don't see that. But when you see what people share every day, either in a blog or a viz or, or whatnot, and what they're able to uh, accomplish, it's just amazing to me. And I'm just so appreciative of being part of something like that. It's just so cool to me. I mean, it is so cool. And one of the things I really appreciate about it, and I sort of never put words to it, but you found the words for me, uh, which was you said there's not really a hierarchy. Right. Um, and that made a lot of sense to me. And I really appreciated that because one of the things that uh, really uh, defines uh, the Tableau data fam community is that you see people just being generous with their time, being kind to each other. Uh, supporting other people at all levels of experience um, and right. just generally not having a lot of ego about it. Right. That's the main thing. That was one of the, the big things that drew me into the community right off the bat was that when I um, just strolled in, if you will, I kind of nudged over by Tuan Wang um, from Tableau uh, Magic he just said, oh, uh, Adam, uh, you should join the Tableau community. And I'm like, oh, I, uh, on Twitter, uh, the data fam community. And I'm like, oh, I don't know. I've been on Twitter before, basically memeing, and that was about it. Um, but nothing more than that. I just thought it was kind of a, a crappy place to go. Uh, but then when I was introduced to the community and everybody was so cool with me, and you were one of the first people that was just really open and uh, kind with me. I didn't know how to take it at first. I thought, oh, this is weird. Am I joining some sort of weird cult or something? Um, but people, but 
the more I learned and the more I could see from people, the more genuine I, I, I know everybody was. And then uh, seeing some of my heroes that I was uh, following along before I joined a community like Ken uh, Florlage and, and a bunch of other people like Andy Kreeble and so forth and how cool and how open they are with the community and so forth. It's just insane to me. Um, and I'm like, wow, I could just be part of something that my data heroes are all part of and are, are all spending a lot of time and contributing greatly toward. So that just drew me in big time because um, at that point, I was just kind of like bored with everything and I needed to join something that was fun for me and that I could contribute to. And realizing that there was this community, I was just like, wow there's a place I can go to and be a factor and then be impactful. And, and, and it, it could be also a lot of fun. And that's kind of what I was looking at at the time. And the more I was involved with the community, the more I realized that was, that was the case and how fun it was for me to be part of something like that. It's not work or anything like that to help people get to where they want to go and help answer questions, help provide feedback. That's all fun for me. Um, so doing that and people being very appreciative of that and, and people, and people spending time to do that with you as well, just means, just means, it, it means something more than I could, uh, produce in words. So. I mean, one of the, one of the excellent things is that, um, it's not a zero sum game. There's plenty of room for everyone doing their own version of their own thing, right. either in terms of visiting or side projects and finding your own niche. Like um, entering into the podcast realm for me, I, I at one point uh, was like, are people going to feel like I'm either copying someone else or stepping on someone's toes? But I mean, there's storytelling with data out there. There's Data Source Rex, there's Tableau Wannabe, there's all these other podcasts talking about this community and this this gestalt that we're all a part of and i thought about it, i'm like no because i mean uh everyone's got their own way of doing things everyone's got their own um their own style and really i just want to talk with people like i just want right. to talk like we're just hanging out like we're we're sitting on a couch together just chilling and like that was the appeal of this for me and selfishly i get to talk to my friends and make new friends by doing this so that's, well, that's why fun. i wanted to be a part of this as well because i knew you weren't going to be something that's over intellectual or something that was um, dull or, or whatnot, you would be uh, someone more of a conversationalist, somebody that could draw people in outside of the community even, uh, or people that are kind of tinkering within the, uh, on the realm of the community, but don't want to completely get in. They could realize that, you know, we're not a bunch of uh, stuffy people and so forth. We're just regular people that happen to like creating data visualizations and talking about nerd stuff. So basically that's what we are. Um, but we're normal people for the most part. And you've got the exact same thing going on. I mean, not the exact same thing. You've got your own style, obviously going on with your blog. Your right. blog is a, um, it's the one blog I always feel compelled to read. Uh, and I say that because it's got so much of you in it and it's got, um, I've described it as like a punk rock aesthetic. <laughs> I feel like I'm reading a zine rather than reading like a data centric uh, blog. Uh, because there's obviously so much personality in it. It's so personal. It's got your picks about stuff, like what you're into right now. It's got a fun little appendices at the bottom. <laughs> I mean, it's 
it's the um it's the opposite of academic and i mean if i if you ever see me like waxing poetic academically you know i'm full of it because i fell into this career backwards out of an it profession so like mm -hmm. i don't have any of the theory down i didn't come up through any of the education in this it's all just been purely naturalistic and doing the wrong thing enough times that i eventually got to something that seemed correct and relevant mm -hmm. i mean i'm still going to do lots of wrong stupid stuff um right so I'm never going to present myself as an authority. <laughs> so, but I mean, your, your blog's spectacular. It, thanks, how did man. this start? Where did this come from for you? Well, again, uh, Tuan is a big part of it. He's the one that is like, well, maybe you should start a blog. And I'm like, well, I used to be a music reviewer back in the early aughts um, for a number of zines. And then I had my own website for a while. It was a lot of fun uh, writing uh, music reviews and so forth forth but it became uh too much of a time uh waster as far as uh my son was young at the time and then i had a bit of an intervention because i was trying to re listen to a bunch of cds that that were being mailed to me and so forth and uh contact uh, and uh, responding to a lot of requests and so forth it was pretty popular at the time but then um it it wasn't something that i was going to make a career out of so I had to put the brakes on it, so I I just kind of put the kibosh to writing for a while, except technical stuff for work or whatnot. Uh, but then uh, this opportunity came, and I read a lot of blogs out there while I before I joined the community and even uh, after I joined the community, and I just noticed that there was something. There's a lot of great how-to blogs, but there wasn't a lot that were more of kind of from a mindset of a just a person that was uh going through it each week and wanted to talk to community members kind of like what you're doing with your podcast but a little bit different and then uh, uh sharing what what's uh impactful for them on a weekly basis so i thought i could combine that and make an interesting blog in my style i didn't think i was going to pr produce so much of myself especially with the aspie stuff but uh, Hunter Hanson was a big part of that because of his blog, um, uh, Life Autistic. He just brought a lot out of, of, he brought a lot of himself out on the blog and it was just so cool to see how he was so free and open with it. And I only shared that with a few people in my personal life, but not a lot of people. People could probably recognize it in me, but they didn't really, you know, I never shared it with people or anything like that. But when he, when he provided the information on his blog, as well as um, me wanting to be as open and as authentic with the community as possible, um, that was part of it too. So me sharing my, myself with the community was bringing up being an Aspie and also bringing up a lot of stuff about, um, you know, what inspires me as far as business or even music or binge watching, which I still try to do as much as possible whenever time uh, allows it. But um, obviously, when you have more involvement with the community, it's a little bit more difficult to binge watch and stuff. So that's true. And uh, it's funny that you mentioned Hunter because he was going to be the closest thing I would compare your blog to within sort of the Tableau community because his blog is less purely data centric and much more sort of personal. It's it's almost like part journal, um, right. part blog. 
And you put so much of yourself into your posts as well as you've got interviews and sort of the viz of the week features and those sort of things as well. But I mean, it's, uh, it's just such an insight into you. And I think it's a very nice thing to have in the community just for the sake of um, data blogs don't have to be a genre. Right. A lot of them, like the Flirtledge brothers are amazing at tutorials. Like, oh, right. Um, like I, I would never go up against that. Like I don't have that in me and I don't have the desire to do that. No, I do that at work. That's something I would do at work. Um, and I love that they do it and they do it way more um, skillfully than I would desire to do. So I'll leave that at work and let them do that because they're really, really good at doing that. And there are a lot of those types of blogs out there that, but that's something that wouldn't be of interest to me to write. No, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, although I, I totally respect them and I'm incredibly grateful that they're doing it so that I can benefit from that. Oh, definitely. I'm going to steal from them all the time. Um, precisely, um, a recent blog from Kevin, uh, was, uh, highlighted, uh, notifications for exceptions or error reports. I use that at work. Looked like an awesome rock star as a result of it, but, um, definitely he deserves the credit for it because of how he, uh, he produced that i made some modifications to work for us but it was just such an awesome thing to see and that was you know one of the many inspirations i got from our community before and during um, my joining of the community that i get and bring back to work and that's another thing that's so beneficial about being part of the community is you could steal things from the community and make yourself look like an awesome creator yourself even if it wasn't your original idea you could change little things or do whatever or copy it straight out and make it look like your own and benefit your career by it. If you wanted to do something like that, join the community so you could steal from us. Awesome. Oh yeah, please. <laughs> like, please, please steal. Like that's why people are doing this. Like, right. I mean, someone invented pointillism, right? Like they, they don't own pointillism. Uh, Tony Hawk did the 720, and like two weeks after that, every 13 year old in the country could do it. Right. Because prior to that, no one knew it was possible. Um, so, I mean, break break down the barriers, hack stuff, uh, come up with a new technique, or even just be really creative with how you use conventional techniques. But it's right. like, you'll benefit from it personally by having right. done it, and everyone else will too. Right. I wanted to mention, uh, circling back to music, because I see that, uh, you know, that's been a big part of your history personally, right. and it's a big part of your sort of portfolio. You have 31 visits right now. And the most common topic amongst those is music. Right. Um, what is like your uh, white whale viz? I mean, it seems like the Sandberg game might have been that. But is there something in terms of music? You've done Elvis at least twice from what I can see. <laughs> right. Well, you're a big part of the, the most important Elvis one. Um, as far as white whale visits, I think when um, when uh, Sean Miller releases the 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 rest of the 2019 data, um, the white whale viz for me is how to uh, create something for the six uh, complete decades that the data is available for for Billboard and how to put that together and what way to make it really fun and cool and uh, not too overbearing for people because I could do something, um, but it would be overbearing, but I want to make it into something that would be accessible to people. And that's, uh, th that's uh, the difficult balance between both of them is like, how do I make it, uh, how do I make it accessible? 
and how do I, because I want to do a lot of data analysis. That's kind of like my, uh, what I love is the data analytics part of it and breaking down data, but people will be turned off by that because it's going to, if I go into too much fine detail, it's going to be really boring for people. Um, so that's the hard part is like, do I, how far do I break it down and what do I do to make it interesting? I think a big part of it is when uh, Tableau enhances uh, the parameter, the dynamic parameters, as well as um, uh, having their uh, animations uh, available, um, uh, animation, transition animations available um, on public. Uh, that will be a big game changer for a lot of people. And I could see a lot of visits going in that crazy direction. And that would be kind of a fun direction to push something like that toward. Totally. I mean, uh, why not have fun, right? Right. Having said that, this has been a lot of fun. And as we're wrapping things up, I want to thank you again for coming on. Uh, this is some a conversation I want to have with you for some time. So I'm glad we're getting exactly. to do it, even if it's not face-to-face. -face. Um, sort of is. And yeah, I mean, we, we can see each other right now. Right. He can see uh, he can see the mess of a room behind me and I can see him looking absolutely chill in his his office at home, which <laughs> looks wonderful. Um, but thank you again. Is there anything you would like to promote? Anyone you'd like to shout out? Anything you'd like to say to everybody before we sign off today? So if you um, if you have selected your Zen Masters, it's a great thing that you participate in something like that when Tableau gives you an opportunity to uh, to nominate Zen Masters, Tableau Ambassadors or whatnot. It's important that you really take part of that. Uh, the next thing I'll be working on blog-wise is talking about the people I'm gonna nominate for Zen Master and uh, kind of backing them up as well as uh, uh, people that also, even though I haven't nominated them, that should be strongly considered for Zen Master for their work in uh, visualizations, community blogging, speaking, or, and so forth. So it's, it's going to be something that I I take very seriously because I know uh, the direction of, of our community is very dependent on who we have as our Zen masters and, and as our community ambassadors. So uh, that's something that I want to make sure that's out there and I want to promote because uh, we need to uh, speak as one and share uh, who we really think are deserving of those honors and uh, and should be able to carry that weight forward. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, thank you again, Adam, and let's do this again soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Zach. Data Plus Love is recorded and produced by Zach Bowders. Our music track is We Are Legends by Alex Stoner. Hey, you're still here? Um, you're probably waiting for like the next podcast uh, to kick in, probably something better. Um, thanks for hanging on. Anyway, if you're picking up what we're putting down, uh, consider buying us a cup of coffee on ko-fi.com slash D-A-T-A-P-L-U-S-L-O-V-E. Um, just, you know, drop $3 in our tip bucket. It helps us buy better equipment. It helps us uh, pay for razor blades to keep me from looking like a wolf man. And it keeps uh, Mark's head looking so shiny and beautiful. Anyway, thanks for listening. We'll never put anything behind a paywall. And thanks for your patronage. Have a great day.
Hey, thanks for sticking around to the end. I really appreciate you listening to the Data Plus Love podcast. If you'd like to see more about what we're up to with the show, go to anchor.fm slash data plus love. Just spell it out, not a literal plus sign. Here you'll be able to see our library of episodes as well as interact with them either through polls or comments or leave a voicemail message that I'll put on an episode. You can interact with me personally by joining me on Twitter. I'm at Zach Bowders, not hard to hunt down. And if you like what you're hearing, consider leaving a tip for us or signing up for a small monthly donation at our ko-fi.com slash data plus love. Buying a cup of coffee for the show is just $3 and you can get more if you choose or sign up to give that $3 or more monthly. Either way, I really appreciate it. Lastly, if you'd like to see more of my public data viz work, check me out on Tableau Public. So go to public.tableau.com and search for Zach Bowders. I'm the only one. You won't have trouble finding me. I promise. So thanks again for hanging on to the end of the show. I really appreciate all of your listens. And until next time, this has been Zach Bowders for the Data Plus Love Network. 